0: Coming up on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, the Cougs open conference competition with a two-win week. Now it's a two-game gauntlet starting with a game at Gonzaga. We'll look ahead to an important week of hoops with the head coach and Seneca Knight next.
1: This is BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried and Jensen. And now your
0: host, the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel. All right, so welcome back inside Studio C at the BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo for another weekly edition of BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Always nice to have some fans joining us in studio. Fans, are you joining us in studio? Yes. Yeah. And we welcome our viewers tuning in live or on demand on the BYU TV app. And for those watching at home during the week, we ask you to get your questions in for Mark Pope using the social media hashtag PopeShow. Join the conversation. Q&A coming up later in the program. On the rest of tonight's broadcast, we will recap last week's pair of victories, including a big weekend win over St. Mary's at the Marriott Center. Deep Blue is back and lets us get to know Trey Stewart a little better. Seneca Knight will indeed join us in studio. We'll go inside the film room with Trevin Nell and look ahead to the Gonzaga-San Francisco road swing, along with those Q&A questions coming up later in the program as well. All right, let's get the show underway. We say hello to the third year head coach of the Cougars, the pride of Newport High School. He's Mark Pope, Coach Pope. All right. How are you doing, guys? Welcome. Welcome. What's up, Sarah? How are you? Good. First thing uh, matching sweats. Yes. Great. Yeah. Last time
2: I had on, like, gray and navy and, and royal, and it was awful. So I was like, I'm going head-to-toe royal. I got three layers of royal with a little soft hoodie. and long, I got royal pants, royal shoes, royal, royal. My key to fashion is just wear all the same color.
0: Kalani's key is to wear every possible BYU blue that exists at the same Altogether. time. together, Yeah, at the same time.
2: You know, if you just take it, if you take it full, like... Full
0: tilt, all the way one direction. You're good. Yeah, I, I agree with you. No? You can't go wrong with that. Uh, by the way, it's another day in first place for the BYU Cougars. Man,
2: I tell you <laughs> what, being in first place is so fantastic, isn't it? We try and say that as many times around the staff and the team and the office as we can every single day because it hasn't happened very much. So we're so so happy to be there.
0: Two and BYU after last week, and another thing. What uh, place are we in now? You're, you're in first place. First, first oh, place. Yeah. Yep, top top of the WCC. By the way, it's kind of funny. Uh, so Joe Lunardi.
2: What what place is BYU in in WCC? First place.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. Let's go. Check back with them later in the show and see if that's still the case. Little victories, guys. Yeah. you got to take the little victories. So, Lenardi does bracketology twice a week, right? And he automatically gives the AQ spot to whoever the league leader is. We've had yes. AQ next to our name for How a couple about of first days. How so about that? will take cool. that, too. It's been a long yeah. time. Uh, BYU, a top 10 team in attendance right now. Let's maybe just pause a minute and realize that BYU is one of the best places to watch college basketball right now, with uh, I think ninth in average per game attendance right now nationally. Yep, it is, um, I mean,
2: every time I walk in that gym, I've actually, I said this post post game, I've actually started forcing myself to just promise. I told the staff before the game St. Mary's, I'm like, guys, we're totally locked in this game, but just take a second and look around. Because most college players and most college coaches, never get to walk into a building like the Marriott Center. And it makes it so special, it's awesome,
0: it's great. So up, up these stairs to my right, you go through a couple doors, you get into my office. And in my office, on my wall, is a framed, blown up photograph yep. taken on the night BYU beat Gonzaga in your first season here. Yep. You wrote a really nice inscription on it. Yep. I remember the day that uh, Matt Harms and Evan Troy delivered it to me yep. at my office. That hangs in, and I was, I was actually took a few minutes just today to sit and take that one in again and yep. look around and look at faces and just to remember how special that place can be yep. for games like that and others.
2: Yeah, it's really great. I mean, it, it's, I think it's fun for all of us, right? We just get to walk in that building and all be together and win some games, you know, get angry and yell and scream. And <laughs> It is. It's a release, isn't it? It's so fantastic.
0: I really do enjoy what the social media team puts together from BYU after wins because they take us places we usually can't go, Uh, whether it's just into the player huddle on the sideline or into the locker room. uh, I think that's a great way to bring the fan base into what you get to experience. I really do appreciate that. Yep, It
2: is awesome. I wish. We could all get in a locker room together after the games, but it's not quite big. (laughs) We're working on some renovations where we'll invite everybody in there, but we haven't quite made it yet. All right.
0: Let's look back at last week. It was a two-game week, uh, Pacific and St. Mary's. BYU welcomed the Tigers to Provo first up. New head coach Leonard Perry, a holdover from Damon Stoudemire's staff. BYU was playing coach on this night for a seventh straight win over the Tigers. Games against these guys can be a grind, and it kind of was in the first half.
2: Yeah, it was nip and tuck the whole way until the last seven seconds of the half. And uh, Alex Barcelo and, and uh, Spencer Johnson made two back-to-back unbelievable plays to finish the
0: half and kind of gave us some momentum, carried us through the rest of the game. BYU had a four-point lead at the break, and again, they were down one until the closing seconds of the first half. That little flurry puts you up four, then you kind of carried over from there. Nice win.
2: Yeah, this Pacific team hasn't had a ton of success yet, but they are playing so hard, and they're long and athletic and skilled. They're not super deep, but they're a good team. They're going to win some games in the
0: league. So Pacific and BYU ended up being a 22-point game. Another good uh, three-point night for BYU, 12-25. Uh, and that's who you've been able to be on certain nights this year. Everyone kind of gets it going.
2: Yeah, uh, we, we have a bunch of guys that make shots, um, especially when we're, we're earning shots for each other. Uh, and, and we've been shooting it well the last, you know, uh, on average we've been shooting really well. Not so much St. Mary's, but we've shot it well for the last month or so.
0: Nice assist night for BYU. Five players in double figures including these two guys. You're undefeated when you can get five players into double figures as you did against Pacific. We highlight two of them there and Alex Barcello and Foose.
2: Yep Foose uh, did his his normal work uh, down low was was great on the glass with 11 uh, scored inside and uh, hit a 17 foot jumper which he was super excited that about. That was pretty cool. He's, he's like coach you got to get more <laughs> of those. Let's go.
0: Double-double for Foose and Alex Barcello. We'll see some video of Alex. Uh, He ends up four of seven uh, from deep. Another multiple three-point night for Barcello, one of the country's best three-point shooters. And for years now, one of the best three-point shooters in the country. He was a plus-24 on the night, and, and you never want to take for granted what he gives you because it comes so effortlessly, it seems, at times.
2: And so consistently, that's what's incredible. You know, you have a lot of guys that will have one great year shooting the ball, but Alex is working on two-and-a-half straight years of flawless shooting uh, from beyond the arc and around the rim, and he just is. It's, it's hard not to take him for granted because it's just there every single night.
0: The 1,000-point club is still pretty exclusive, 52 members of it now in the history of this program, and he becomes the 52nd, and he got there in style right before halftime on uh, Thursday night. Yep,
2: he sure did, and a big-time play, a lot of frustration on the court, uh, and they kind of went from a zone, switching to a man, um, called a timeout, and you just think, like, for all of us wannabe basketball players, <laughs> you get to watch, him like, man, it must feel incredible to be able to control the game and control the
0: ball like he does. So he got to 1,001 on that three-pointer, and he again becomes the latest 1,000-point member uh, of the 1,000-point club at BYU. Uh, back to Foos for a second. Uh, second career double-double and second in, I think, three starts at that point. Yeah. He had one against Liberty in his first start and had a 12-11 and 11 night against Pacific. He, between his free throws and his field goals, he, the, the ball left his hand nine times and eight times it went through the hoop. Yeah, it's pretty
2: amazing. He's, he's been so fantastic.
0: You put him in the starting lineup at a certain time in this season – you waited a certain amount of time until you yep. felt like maybe it was the right time yep. for him and it's been rewarded.
2: You know, it's hard with it's hard with young guys, especially young bigs in our program, because there's so much responsibility for them to make decisions. They're they they're they're just decision makers on the floor for us. And so Foose is Foos and Atiki are both clearly great talents, but you kinda wanna protect them from you know, um, too much too early where they get really down on themselves and feel like they too much disappointment and they can't do it. You almost want to protect them and kind of, kind of, you know, just buy them some time here as they grow at the normal rate. We haven't had that luxury with these two guys, and and they're both ringing the bell. They answered the bell. They've both been terrific.
0: And you know, Foos doesn't have to have a double double every night. It's not going to happen that way. And Atiki may not be a double double guy even this season. But when he has, uh, you know, had had uh, trust placed in him like you did against St. Yep. Mary's, Atiki was tremendous. Played the yep. most minutes I think against any Division One opponent he's had this year. Yep, that's right. Uh,
2: you know, and they're both doing special things. So. It was it was really great. I, I mean, we take little steps in this game. And so, you know, I didn't play a tiki all in the it all in the Pacific game It was tough matchups. They're four and five really, really shoot the ball for the most part. And so it was, it's a more complicated defensive assignment until the last two minutes and 45 seconds of the game when the game was a little bit out of reach. And he was perfect, like he was perfect. His energy was perfect. His defensive assignments were perfect. He was taking care of the ball for the most part. And um, that just carried over into the St. Mary's game uh, where we knew he was going to have to step up and
0: play big minutes, and he was fantastic. Let's get to the St. Mary's game. Saturday, BYU was playing for the weekend sweep. Cougs looking for a third straight win over the Gales and a fourth straight win over Randy Bennett at the Marriott Center. It was 13-win, BYU hosting the 12-win Gales. You know what you're going to get when the Gales come to town, Coach.
2: Uh, for all you guys with this, at this game, you may have had it confused with um, – a soccer game to start that was about the score twelve minutes in uh, but it was two two you know two teams that are two top twenty defenses in the country going head to head. It was a little bit like the first half of Alabama, Georgia last night right
0: nine six and
2: yeah. um, in fact it was the score seven, that, that, that was the score twelve minutes into the basketball <laughs> yeah. game and uh it was it was actually wonderful it was it was super fun so. I know that uh, BYU Faith will do this a lot after a big win, uh, everyone leaves, and then a lot of people actually, if you didn't know this, go home and they'll rewatch the game. I can't tell you how many people have talked to me about going home after the game and re-watching the game. So when I got home that night late after the game, Leanne and I also rewatched the game, and it was, uh, I'm telling you, it was, uh, it was as impressive a defensive effort as I've seen a team put together in terms of guys' effort, their intensity, their decision-making IQ and reads and fulfilling assignments on the defensive end, it was really, really spectacular. With a, with a few exceptions, we, we went through a five-, six-minute spell where we had a tough time rebounding the ball. But otherwise, it was an epic performance by our guys, and we needed it because we weren't great on the offensive
0: side. You were down 7 nothing at the first media. I think they had a shot to put you down 10 nothing, it didn't go. And it was 7 nothing early. And then the half ended with you going 28 to nine the other way, including a 10-plus minute scoreless drought for St. Mary's. Now they play slower and they play lower-scoring games, but still, not too many teams get Randy's teams that sideways to where they're not making shots for yep. 10
3: minutes.
2: Yeah, it's uh, the, it's I I I'm loving this game more and more. I think I love it more and more because we're we're winning it more frequently. But <laughs> um, this this matchup is just it just has a DNA. This game. You know, how, so far in recent history, you know exactly how this BYU-St. Mary's game is going to be, what it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like, and what you're going to have to fight through to win. And our guys, our guys were terrific. Tell
0: fans what PPP stands for. Points per possession. 0.67 for St. Mary's against you guys.
2: Yeah, and, and St. Mary's is a, is a over one points per possession team. Right. Um,
0: they're, they're, they're
2: not a, a fast playing team, but they're an efficient team. Uh, Randy's teams have always been really efficient, and so it was a a great accomplishment by a great
0: us Break out a couple player stats from uh, Saturday night. Going to go to Tijon Lucas and then another shot at Foos. Foos was a point away from another double double, uh, 9 11. And uh, and, in games against St. Mary. Foos
2: is pointing at me. You see that picture? He's (laughs) He's pointing at me saying, Get me the (laughs) ball. (laughs)
0: BYU does end up with a ton of assists usually against St. Mary's. This wasn't a big assist night for Tijon, but he was—he was a leading scorer at 10. That's a modest number, but that's—that's that's a leading scorer number against St. Mary's. And just—he just—I don't know whether it's you want to say basketball IQ or feel—he's just—he um, looks like a 50 year guard that's—you uh, know everything you hoped he would be.
2: He was our leading scorer, and he was also him and Alex were so—they were so extraordinary defensively. Tijon had a really really difficult defensive assignment. Against one of the best athletes in the WCC, one of the quickest, most difficult guys to keep in front of him. And he was just, he just made, he his, his ability to recover over and over and over again was really extraordinary. He was, he was, he was great.
0: Were you talking Logan Johnson? Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. Logan Johnson is a big time, big time athlete. He gets downhill against everybody, every team in our league. And T-John just, T-John just w- w- refused to allow
0: him to. It was great. Tijon led BYU in scoring for the first time since uh, the win at Utah.
2: Tijon did have a big-time assist, by the way. Uh, if you check, I think it's on the post-game interview. There's somewhere on YouTube. Uh, so Tijon has been teaching me some um, more modern, hip
0: lingo. Yes? You dropped the no cap in the... Uh, the no in, cap. Is that, so is, that, is, that, is that an assist for you? I Tijon? kid you
2: not. So So... Uh, I'm learning about no cap and sheesh. And, um, and so there had been a little interchange where the guys were making fun of me because I said no caps <laughs> and used it in the incorrect context. So after the game, post-game meeting with the team, I told them I was going to go in a press conference. I was going to drop a no cap. And so Tijon was like, coach, you need to say exactly this. And so if you watch the press conference, it's one of my favorite clips of all time. <laughs> So I'm sitting there with Tijon. Tijon does the opening statement. And then there's a couple questions. Someone asked me a question about we're down 7-0, and there's a timeout. And what did I tell the guys in the timeout? And Tijon leans over to me, and you can, li- you can hear it because the mic picks it up. He's like, Coach, this be a good time to say it. And so sure enough, I dropped a no cap, and like the, the, everyone was like, wow, Coach Pope is so hip.
0: And the it was con- great. And the context of something like, I told the guys this was the game, this is what it was going to be, no cap. Yes, it's going to be a dogfight, <laughs> no cap. There you go.
2: And then, uh, <gasps> so I'm super grateful for the guys keeping me uh, on the cutting edge of I love that. urban I t- terminology. I, I took
0: note. I took note. All right. Uh, since entering the starting lineup in early December, This guy has been one of the most consistent and productive BYU players, and he's doing it from places other than only his wheelhouse at the three-point line. Tonight, Trevin Nell takes us inside the film room, joined by Jerem Jordan. So Trevin, everyone's like,
4: oh, ugly wins Saturday. That's only on offense, but the defense only allowed 43. That was beautiful. And beating St. Mary's? Always beautiful.
3: It's always beautiful. St. Mary's is a great team. They're really well coached. They're talented. And this is just, you know, who's tougher. They know us, we know them, so there's no really scheme about it. It's just who's going out. And we call it a
4: coach short game because, you know, it's just all about getting bigger and, and that toughness. I love that. Okay, let's check out some of your made shots in this one. You're down 7 nothing to start, and uh, Alex Barcell is like, here, please make a shot at the end of the shot clock, right? Exactly. So
3: right here I call Caleb for a screen because I see the shot clock going down. and. Use my outlet AB, and AB finds me in a perfect window. I was able to get the shot off as Dukas was trying to contest and made the three.
4: That was center cut. Did you know that was going in when you released it?
3: I, I knew that was going in. That one felt good. Yeah. And it was <laughs> contested quite a bit, too. It was contested. I didn't think it was that contested. Uh, you know, Coach Pope just showed me and Alex this clip of Steph Curry, he's like, what do you think about when you shoot? And he says, absolutely nothing. Mm. And so uh, when I shot that, I was, I was just like, oh, it's going in. <laughs>
4: This is your one bucket in the first half, second half you make three shots, uh, and you go high off the window for them.
3: Tijon found me on a transition, and I knew Dukas after I made the three. He was still thinking about it, so I got him on a little pump fake, and coaches always tell us to go off
4: two feet, and I saw Haas try to take a charge, so I just went off the little window. Why is he trying to block that shot? <laughs> what world do we live in where six ten dudes might take a charge? Because I'm a big body. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Most guys get into the contact I don't know why more people don't just shoot that mid-range. Uh,
3: it's true. I think Coach Fierge has done a you know a terrific job with us about trying to get better finishes and trying to find that window, and we work on this every single day. Okay, then the
4: pull-up, TJ Haas style.
3: <laughs> Alex again found me right here on the wing. I was calling for it So I just hit a shot on Duke, so I was feeling really confident. Um, I came off the two-dribble pull-up. And Coach Pope has got a ton of confidence in me. And I made, I looked right over to him, and he gave me that
4: look, and I was like, all right, it's go time. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about the last several games that has made you a more productive offensive player?
3: Just the confidence the players have in me. Uh, AB and T John are guys that always tell me every single day, hey, we don't care how many shots you miss, just go out there and play, and we trust you. And so, beginning of the season, I went through a little slump, um, but every single day, Coach Figure, all the coaches, A.B. and T. John were huge about just, hey, like, let everything go, stop thinking about it, just play your game. And ever since then, I've just been super confident, super comfortable out there on the court.
4: 4.20 left, you get a switch here, and uh, you go on for an and-one? Yeah, exactly. I was calling for the ball. Look, I was calling
3: for it. I knew I had the big guy on me, and I just used my speed to my advantage. Got him
4: up and took the contact and got an and-one. A huge week, probably the toughest road swing of the entire season at Gonzaga, at San Francisco. What will be the key to bringing home a couple of wins this
3: week? I think the key is transition defense. We've definitely got to continue to pride ourselves on the defensive end. Um, we held St. Mary's to like 43 points, so we got to continue to pursue our defense. And then you know, we got to continue to trust each other and limit our turnovers. And I think if we do that, we have a great shot of winning these two games.
0: Okay, good luck this week. Thank you. You know, different uh, different prof- professional leagues often vote a most improved player. And Trevin was already starting at a pretty good spot, but he feels like that guy uh, to me on this year's team because he just does so much more for you.
2: Yeah, I'm really proud of him because he, he, he – uh, he he. Su- surprisingly, for him, wasn't shooting the ball great early in the season, and just kind of hung in there and hung in there and hung in there and kept working. And now he's a mainstay. He had the biggest offensive possession of the entire game. Well, he had the first or you had our first points of the game, and that little runner uh, against their backup five, where he got the n one. We were kind of stuck. We down to, maybe
0: been down to maybe seven in that yeah, game. They cut like it that? down
2: to seven. Yeah. It was starting to feel a little shaky, and and uh, he just he just he just answered it. It's interesting that three of his you know three of his possessions that were all making plays downhill off the bounce, which is traditionally what he's been thought of as a, a spot-up shooter, right. but he's so effective down, he's been great. He's also one of our best, you know, most consistent guys getting a hit on defensive rebounding, and he's, he's locked in defensively, been playing more and more and more solid defensively. He's doing a great job. And if you heard <laughs> on this clip, uh, Trevin talked about the confidence he has shooting. Right? He's got more confidence, he's kind of just letting it come and feel it, um, and Leanne sent me a clip that I played for all the guys on our team that are kind of one by one, some of the guys that are taking a lot of shots, and I thought this was really fascinating. It was Steph Curry, and the question was, what do you think about when you're shooting? And he answered, absolutely nothing. And that is a really true thing. That's when you're really feeling confident as a shooter is when you can kind of block out everything about nothing. And Trevin is sp- some spending some time right now in the games shooting shots where he's thinking about absolutely nothing. It's pretty cool.
0: When does Leanne start showing up in the, uh, in the website staff bio as, like, consultant?
2: No, no. She is, she is like, the president of BYU basketball, so... <laughs> She's she's
0: doing a lot. All right, let's take a look at how this uh, January schedule is unfolding for you. Certainly so far, so good through WCC play at 2-0 Pacific and St. Mary's in the book. And now this back-to-back road swing that starts uh, at Gonzaga Thursday, followed by San Francisco on the weekend. Tough road
2: trip. So, I'm probably not supposed to say this, but we're family, right? So, I can tell you everything. So, we got a call about two hours ago. CBS lost their six o'clock game. So, they wanted to bump us up from eight o'clock to six o'clock at San Francisco. And I was like, no way. We're on the road at Gonzaga. Then we got to fly to San Francisco, play at San Francisco. You're not stealing two hours of prep from us. We'll take as much time as we can. So we're keeping yeah. it at 8 p.m. Sorry for you guys who were trying to get to bed early. but
0: <laughs> there yeah, will be late tips. It will be a, a 9 o'clock a mountain time tips mount for both games, Gonzaga and San Francisco. The back half of the month, uh, we see it involves a couple more home games and then uh, back on the road uh, to finish things off. That's how January looks. The most important thing is... WW to start the month. Yep, love it. Okay, for your day-to-day Cougar Sports play-by-play, watch BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Weekdays, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Joining the show this week, Jay Billis, who will help to call that Thursday game at Gonzaga. He'll be on on Thursday, followed by Zach Wilson with the boys on Friday. When we come back, Seneca Knight joins us in Studio C as BYU Basketball with Mark Pope continues. (laughs)
1: BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is brought to you by Siegfried & Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. And by Intermountain Healthcare, official medical
0: provider for BYU athletics. The Rowdy Rowdy Rocks, Saturday night. Welcome back to Studio C here in Provo for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Well, since Mark Pope joined BYU's head coach, one of the recruits about whom he's been most excited, actually, was a player that he'd already recruited to another school. That player, Trey Stewart, is the subject of tonight's Deep Blue, brought to you by Brady Industries. Honestly, better. I
1: always liked the name Trey. Playing basketball my whole life, I always felt like I wanted to name my son Trey after the three-point shot.
5: So Ray, my husband, played overseas and played in college, and so... His dad felt strongly about that. We are a basketball family. Basketball has always been a part of our life.
1: But my, my fear was if he couldn't shoot, we were gonna name him Doyce. So, <laughs> I'm glad that he can shoot. So we stuck with Trey. <laughs> <laughs>
5: okay.
6: Basketball is always kind of an escape for me. Like, regardless of how my mental health is doing, I can always count on going to basketball practice and just, yeah, I may be mad at basketball, but it's like I'm in my own world. It's like I can just release, leave everything at the door, go in, train my heart out. And like, the harder I work, the more I forget, which is nice because it just is such a relief for me. So I never really question, like, Obviously that ninth grade, it was just like a battle of like, man, like, this is rough. Like, do I keep going if I'm this bad? <laughs>
5: Trey's freshman year, he sat on the bench and didn't play hardly at all. And that's a tough place to be in for a kid. And so I think that, that was a low point. That was hard for him.
1: When he was losing, I felt like those hard times that he had in high school, that, tur- that made him the man he is today.
5: I remember the coach coming up to me after a game and saying, Oh, I forgot to play your son. And I thought, uh oh, this is this is not good. But Ray and Ray, as being a coach, has always said, Well, you gotta work harder, you gotta be better. That that's the only way you're gonna play. And I think he took it, Trey took that as fuel and absolutely worked harder, worked harder, worked harder, and then started varsity as a sophomore.
1: He had to go through that in order to see, okay, that was That's the way it was. But if I continue to work hard and grind, this is what I can achieve.
5: You're in the same situation now, Trey. This is freshman year. Next year, hey, then it'll just (laughs) Yep, you do it all over again. But it is good though, it's good, good practice for life. Yeah, life.
6: To me, it's just like this dark cloud like there's not a lot of words to describe it besides just like loneliness and just wanting everything to end. Depression, like I still do with that today. It kind of stems from that ninth grade year where I wasn't doing that good at basketball, so I really isolated myself.
5: We are champions of therapy and whatever someone needs to to address those issues. So I think that's been really good for Trey, and Trey's always been very open.
6: A common thing in sports is just push it under the rug, like be a man, take the next step, continue forward. Being able to share my experiences, hopefully it helps other people understand that like it's normal, like people are like that. And that's just like the card you dealt.
5: I think he's just always had a sensitivity to mental health issues and just feels strongly that you can change your mindset if you'd like to. And I think he's always been one to put motivational sayings on mirrors and around to help him to get in a good mind space. He's always been very goal oriented. And so I think default happiness is kind of a natural part of his personality to help people and to create awareness for mental health and to help people be happy.
6: I've just always loved being creative. Like I learned to sew a few years ago. And that was an escape for me, like just random little things that I like to do. He's got a little bit of sewing and like home ec vibe. So now he's
2: doing these unbelievable deals on shoes where he can print out any type of little uh, imaging that he wants and, and he's putting it on guys shoes.
6: I call it Default Happiness, like that's the name of my shoe company brand. And it just kind of stems from things called trigger words.
5: I think it's important to Say that default happiness doesn't mean you put on a smile and pretend there aren't any issues, but that you can turn your situation around and find joy in life so that your default is to be happy. You know, we're here to be happy.
2: It's just who he is. You know, this is just one slice of a thousand different things that he's going to do that are really special and is super swag. Because most athletes, you know, you see him
1: on the court, you know, after the game, like, oh, that guy's a great guy. Seems like a great guy. But then you'll hear some other stories rumbling around that, ooh, that guy off the court, he's doing some things that he shouldn't be doing. Not, not him. What you see is what you get. And that's uh, the sign of a, a good man that he doesn't change who he is, uh, it doesn't matter who he's around. He's going to be himself.
2: So, what do you think is in store for Trey Stewart? Yeah, I think he's got great things ahead for him. He's already doing great things. I mean, you think about this young man—he's taking on all the responsibilities a freshman athlete at BYU has to take on, and he's uh, running his own company, this Default Happiness, where it's almost like the demand is too big. He can't—he's got to start hiring people. In fact, if anybody wants to jump on and start working, I don't know—he's paying ten bucks an hour, <laughs> and uh, he's. Um, also in a bunch of leadership positions on campus. He's actually in a, in a very, very exclusive, high administration level. He's one of two students on campus that are uh, representing kind of all the student body on campus, and he's in the SAC, and he just is, a, this is a big-time young man. He's gonna be a, he's gonna be a great basketball player here at BYU.
0: Yeah, from an on-the-floor perspective, what do you envision is his progression looking like? Well, he's
2: already an elite, elite-level defender, uh, just an inexperienced elite-level defender. Uh, he's incredibly athletic. I think, um, I can't remember what game it was, two or three games ago. He actually, uh, it was probably the show-stopping moment of the whole game. He got in the game and just grabbed a rebound, and everyone was like, it was remarkable. I don't know if it was in the Pacific maybe. And um, he's an elite-level athlete with a a million-dollar smile, and uh, he's going to be a terrific basketball player, off the bounce
0: getting downhill and making plays, and
2: um, he's going to be
0: special. All right, let's get to our player guest tonight. No stranger to basketball on the West Coast or in the Mountain Time Zone, starring as a standout for San Jose State before returning close to a home for a time, only to head back west and join the BYU basketball program. Please welcome into Studio C, Seneca Knight. Sir. Come on. <laughs> sir, Welcome in. Thank you all for having me. It's good to have you here. Uh, New Orleans is home. Yes, sir. New Orleans, Louisiana. Uh, you didn't play your high school there. You played in Lafayette. Yes, sir. Right? And Mark Pope probably already knew this. Maybe our uh, uh, fans in the stands and uh, viewers don't. When you were a high school senior, mm-hmm. you led the state of Louisiana in scoring? Yes, sir. Wow. I did. <laughs> I mean, that's who he is, right, Coach yeah. Pope?
7: Yes,
2: he's got a lot of that in him. Uh, and we're starting to see it more and more. It's pretty exciting.
0: So um, your dad, well, we should note that you are a Seneca junior. Uh, the second. Yeah, a Seneca the second. Yes, meaning sir. your dad's also a Seneca. Right. Your dad was an athlete. We
2: Tell don't do junior. He... You don't do junior. We do the second. Do...
3: Second, yes, sir.
2: The deuce, yes? <laughs> the deuce. <laughs> see, see, Trey's dad didn't want to call him deuce, right? Right. But we're all about that right now. <laughs> yes, sir.
0: <laughs> Tell us a bit more about your dad. What he played and where, where he played? and. So he grew up
7: in Alabama, and he ended up playing under the great coach, Eddie Robinson, at Gramlin University. Wow. Uh, he was one of the top players coming out of high school for football. So, yeah, I got a lot of athleticism from him.
0: Yeah, well, Eddie Robinson, that, that, that's a legendary Legend of story, all legends. That's right? very cool. So your dad was a football, football player. Uh, back to your high school days for a second. Um, you once had a game where you hit eight straight threes?
7: Yeah. Yes, so, sir. so
0: A B here at BYU. He's got the record. He went, once went seven for seven, seven straight mm-hmm. without a miss. And you were knocking down eight in a row one time in high school.
7: Yes, sir. Sometimes you just get in that rhythm, and then, you know, just rock out.
0: <laughs> <I guess> so, <laughs> recruiting process. What brought you west?
7: Um, so I heard from BYU back in January when I was transferring. But I was first on the time. Sorry, on. first
0: time to San Jose.
7: Oh, the first time. Yeah, that was my only offer. I really? didn't have any other choice.
0: <laughs> no kidding. No, for real. State was your only Division One offer.
7: Only Division One offer.
0: As the, as the state's leading scorer, were you surprised that more schools weren't into you, or, or how did you view that at that time? Was um, it you? Were you okay with it?
7: It was frustrating, but a lot of late-night talks in my, with my dad in the gym and everything, and, you know, the only thing you do is work. There's not much else to go around it. You know, some people may get the upper hand early, however the cards play out, but, you know, you just got to keep working. If you want to make something happen, you need to do whatever to do it.
0: Bay Area is a long ways away from, from New Orleans. Yes, sir. What, how was it, what did it take to actually travel that far and go play away from home?
7: Um, well, it wasn't really that much of a big thing for me to travel that far from home. My parents raised me to be able to be independent and self-sufficient. So going out there, I wanted to play basketball, and if that was the way for me to play basketball on a D1 level, I just had to do it. When did you first become aware
0: of the name Seneca Knight, Coach Pope?
2: Man, it, it, uh, I actually didn't know Seneca until this summer, kind of when he jumped in the portal. And um, and then we got to know him really, really well, really, really fast, <laughs> trying, to, trying to convince him to come out here. And then we were super surprised to learn that his whole lifetime he had grown up dreaming of one day playing at BYU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember watching Jimmer.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir.
2: <laughs> no, that's not true. I'll I make know. It that's totally not true. But, uh, you know, it's great about Seneca, and, and his mom and dad are so fantastic. His mom actually worked in athletics for a long time, actually spent some time in athletics compliance, so she was making sure that we were doing everything exactly right. But they're both um, so unbelievably supportive and such great mentors and understand the – you know the pressures and responsibilities on athletes, and so it was—it was easy to get to know him really fast. It was really
0: great. So, uh, BYU fans and Coach Popper, you were at UVU and BYU. We all know about the name Sam Merrill. Sam was a great player for Utah State, obviously. And Seneca, as a sophomore at San Jose State, outscored in league play Sam Merrill, the senior. At Utah State (laughs) that was a score. No he was. Yeah and for you to to actually end up a little higher than him in league play is something to do as a sophomore. Your second year at San Jose saw you just kind of you know explode a little bit maybe as a as a score. Um, Can you take us through that that year a little bit and how it kind of progressed for you?
7: Uh, So that year was actually pretty different than you know normal college years. I had fractured my finger that summer so I wasn't able to work out that whole summer and you know some towards the end of the summer I was able to start lifting at least. So we started lifting and, you know, one thing from freshman year to sophomore year, a lot of people learn is you have to get stronger. So just doing that, and then once I got back out to school, just lived in the gym. So after practice, get shots up. Before practice, get shots up. And I stayed in the gym and then I just always try to learn. So even when we played Sam Mero the first time, mm-hmm. uh, I asked him, like, things that I could do to get better and talk to him. So being able to, you know, use those connections and be able to learn from people who've been through it and just using that to my advantage.
0: So after a great second year at San Jose, why did you make the decision to head home for a while?
7: Uh, honestly, it was just because of COVID. COVID shut down California completely, and it was no gyms to get in, nowhere to get better. And coming off my sophomore year, it would have been a struggle trying to, you know, top that without any gym access. So decided to go back home. You know, also family reasons. If anything happened, I'm right up the street.
0: It was LSU, right?
7: LSU, yes, sir. Yeah.
0: And then LSU from there to here. Uh, you Coach Pope gets involved. How did that all turn mm. out?
7: Uh, it turned out great. So leaving from LSU, because like you may understand that it wasn't really like a first choice, but um, talking to the coaches, they reached out back in January. I heard from Coach Cody and then Coach Nick reached out back in June. So when he reached out in June, I was like, OK, let me hear BYU out. So once I did that and then took my visit, just fell in love with the place, catching my other visit and just decided to come here.
0: Can you uh, uh, recollect uh, what it was like to
2: bring him on campus? And... I just remember being so grateful that he was coming. You know, we were uh, it, we were actually all crisscrossing all over the place, and so um, Sen was here on his visit, and, and we had a, uh, you know, the thing I remember the most is we had a, a great breakfast um, where we kind of talked through all the tough things about being here at BYU, and uh, that this journey would be incredibly rewarding but not easy, and... Uh, Seneca Sr. was like, good, I don't want easy for my son. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Which was, was like the greatest thing you could ever hear as a coach. And, uh, and then it was, just, it was just a good fit. And, and what's, what's been really fun is just, you know, is we're learning each other right now. We're all watching Seneca kind of just grow and grow and me understand how to use him better and him understand how to fit in him better. And he brings something that we haven't had before. Interestingly, with the St. Mary's game that we yeah. just played, we talked about this a lot, so Seneca and I have been talking about this for a month, probably, is yes, just um, the St. Mary's team is so different, and there's just unique pieces, there's unique basketball players that you just look at the St. Mary's game, which we've got to know so well, they force you to play in isolation, they force you to be big and physical and skilled, and we and, and Seneca's a different skill set player than we've had in my tenure for his size and strength and athleticism. And so I've been telling Seneca for a month, man, I'm telling you the same thing <laughs> coming up, and you're going to be the difference maker, sure enough. I mean, he was. Uh, first half, second half of the first half, um, his ability to get down to the hole and make buckets, and then everything he did on the offensive defense end, And um, he's going to be a s- incredibly – he's just got a unique skill set that – as we learn how to incorporate it better and better, it's going to be really special. It's been awesome. It's been Seneca, really fun.
0: Stick around. We're going to have Q&A for you and the coach coming up, so we'll have okay. that next, all right? Don't go anywhere. All right. Sure. we come back, we will have yeah. question and answer Great. session Thanks. for Coach Pope and Seneca Knight as we continue on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Stay with us. <laughs> all right. Welcome back to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried and Jensen. We've got uh, Seneca Knight joining us in uh, Studio C. Time for some Q&A. Uh, first question, though, comes from me. Uh, Seneca, could you sum up your season uh, to this point? You're playing for a 14-win team, a top 10 national attendance team, a 2-0 WCC team. What's it been like first year at BYU? Uh,
7: it's been really, I'll say in two words, enjoyable experience. So it's been a lot of ups and downs, but enjoying the process throughout and then being able to play with a bunch of great guys, with a great coaching staff, it's just been, you know, we just have fun. Enjoying the gym is what we live by.
0: You know, you have a lot of mantras, and, you you know, they're kind of in a word wall of sorts, if you will. Enjoyable experience might end up there, you know. That's pretty good.
2: It's it's touched on a couple of different
0: things. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Uh, Let's get some questions from social media. Uh, This one's for the coach. Uh, Coach, with all the game cancellations, has the WCC – made any provisions to ensure that the top teams still play each other
2: yes so they actually came out with some guidelines yesterday actually and um so i think everything's in a good spot that's what i think um, there is some flexibility built in i think all you know uh the, the teams that are rated in the top half of the conference i think we're all committed to getting two games together with each other so because it's good for all of us it actually helps all of us so um, I think we're in a good spot right now.
0: Mark Few was in the, ended up saying the same thing after the Pepperdine game. He says, I hope our league tries to give the teams that have the best chance to go to the tournament the best chance to go yeah. by how they reschedule things.
2: And it's really interesting. So, so right now, the provisions are, it's, it's some specific things. I'm not sure how specific I'm allowed to get, Right. but they actually made some specifications about when you can actually call a COVID game or not, because I think it's been a little bit up there, like, hey, let's call it a COVID game. Um, but now I think there's some specific guidelines and there's also specific guidelines with rescheduling to give us some more flexibility, gotcha. which we're
0: super excited about. Second question, Arman Hema, is a question for Seneca. Seneca, he says, I've seen your fried Oreos on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> what other culinary masterpieces do you like to make? Uh, that's a good question. Uh,
7: for myself, I like cooking spaghetti. I feel like I got the best quesadillas, by the way. So if anybody wants quesadillas, just let me know. <laughs> But um, some other things, I made, like, my own McGriddle one time in the air fryer, and that was, like, super fun. So just really anything that i just come across and be like, hey, I feel like I'll make that, and then i just do it. Here's the deal. We need to bring you back on the show. You need to bring fried Oreos for everybody. Can we make that happen?
2: I'll be down to do that. Fried Oreos (laughs) for everybody. We got to do it in in a couple shows sometime. Let's Let's book it. Hema! Let's go, baby. Fried Oreos, the whole whole crowd. I like it. Let's go.
0: Next social media question. Harrison, it's another food question. Sorry, uh, For Coach Pope and Seneca, favorite Cajun foods. Do you like Cajun foods? I love Cajun foods. Okay, so favorite Cajun foods, you and then Coach. Uh, It's this place around the corner from my grandma's house,
7: and it sells like shrimp, crawfish, like the potatoes. So I love going there and get the seafood and just go eat by the river with my friends and family. Right on. So something simple.
2: So my favorite Cajun food is, I don't even know if this is legal, but it's clearly, it's not even close, it's beignets. I don't know if that <laughs> qualifies a I, don't I don't think it qualifies but you get it, it I don't know if that qualifies yeah. Cajun, but, like, how could you not say a beignet? Because you said fried Oreos.
0: Fried Oreos. So I, I was in Shreveport a month ago, and it's you know it's not southern Louisiana, but it's still Louisiana. Yeah. And and I was uh, ODing on the gumbo on the whole trip. <laughs> yeah. there, so I do love it. Yes, All right. Uh, Hema's brother, Houston. New football grad transfer, Houston. Hey, will question for Seneca? Seneca, do you watch anime? And if so, what's your favorite one? And also... How was your experience going from the Bay Area to Provo, Utah? Okay, so the anime one first. I love, <laughs> I love watching anime,
7: I'm not going to lie. My favorite one would be Naruto. And if anybody want to know Sasuke, my favorite character. So, and then the I Bay Area. I don't understand any the you <laughs> <just> said. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just said no cap, and I'm like, what do <laughs> you I
0: mean? People who know, know. Right,
7: <laughs> don't know.
0: The, um, the, uh, the transitioning life from uh, the Bay Area. I know you had the LSU in between, but mm-hmm. from Bay Area to, to Provo. Bay Area to Provo. They both offer like great, like
7: amazing things to do. So out here is more outdoorsy. And in the Bay Area is more like adventurous. So like with the weather being perfect pretty much year round mm-hmm. and being able to be close to like San Francisco and Oakland, it's just like taking those adventures was like really a joy.
0: Okay, uh, back on the anime thing for a second. Uh, there's a former BYU guy, uh, that probably is like most known for loving anime, football guy, but Jamal Williams. Jamal really? has a lot of anime there content on his social media. Do you know Jamal at all? Have you ever met him? I never met him. Jamal yeah. Williams
2: playing for Green Bay
0: now? Uh, Detroit now. Detroit. He was just against Green Bay. Yeah, was, yeah, that's right. But yeah. he's a big-time anime guy. It's a lot of his social media. Check a St- uh, superstar. He was a great player. Excellent. Good, dude. I'm going yes. to it. Eh? All right, coming up next, we will preview a monster <laughs> matchup at Gonzaga when BYU basketball Mark Pope continues. Stay with us.
1: BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is brought to you by Siegfried & Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Smith's, fresh for everyone. And by Cascade Collision Repair, serious about perfection.
0: We are back on BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Uh, Game day schedule for Gonzaga this Thursday night. BYU-Gonzaga late night. Uh, Pre-game on the radio will be at uh, 10 o'clock Eastern time and 8 o'clock Mountain. And then the uh, tip-off itself, 11 o'clock Eastern time, 9 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock at the Kennel. We'll have radio coverage for you with uh, Coach Pope and a player right after the game on BYU Radio. We'll be up there in Spokane. Well, Gonzaga does come in as the uh, nation's number two ranked team. Zags have won nine of the last ten in this series, including the last three. BYU playing for its first win in Spokane since 2017. Before we get to more about the Zags, uh, Seneca, uh, your Twitter handle. You're on Twitter. You like social media. What's your Twitter handle we can share with the audience? At
7: SIN underscore 13 underscore.
0: There you see it on your screen right there. So, if nothing else, we hope that Seneca comes out of tonight with a couple more followers. There is some
7: controversy
2: on the team, but for my money, Sen might be the best Twitter follow on the entire team. Yes?
7: Uh, I'll say so. We got the best fans. They they helped me (laughs) do that. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't do it by myself.
0: All right, give them a follow. Uh, More about the Zags now. Coach, uh, you know, uh, this is a team that kind of uh, reloads year to year. They can lose guys to the pros, bring a few more pros in. They've got it going right now, as they have for a while. They're good. That's all you need to say about it.
2: They're really good. Um, You know, uh, I was I was um, watching film. You know, we watched film of every game of every team. And and so we were reviewing film two days ago and uh, they were playing Pepperdine where they scored 170 points against Pepperdine, which is more than St. Mary's and us scored combined, by the way. And um, there's a graphic. And so I went back and rewound it so I could listen to the sound. It was a graphic of five games. And it was the five games that Drew Timmy has lost in his first three and a half years at Gonzaga. It's super impressive. Of course, BYU gets to claim one of those, but there haven't been many. And so uh, they're the best program in the country. They've been the best program in the country probably for the last decade, and they've been the number one ranked team for the longest time over the course of the last four or five years. And so we got a chance to go in there, Jim, and, and, uh, and take a shot at Taking on the best team in America.
0: Well, since BYU joined the WCC, BYU has more wins in Spokane than every other WCC team combined. So there's that. It's going to do it we might
2: have more wins in Spokane. I'm, I, I'm actually sure we have more wins in Spokane than any other team in the country. Actually, it's got to be true, right? Oh, well, we, we want we to go,
0: we, we go back to probably uh, the pre 2011 12, maybe St. Mary's days. Yep. Maybe St. Mary's got a couple there. Yep. Um, and back before Gonzaga was really Gonzaga, but yep. cer- certainly since. You joined the league. No one's done it more than you. Leave BYU. it to Greg to have to be accurate. No, oh! no, no. Oh, no. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Let's just
0: say, but since you joined the league, no one's done it more than you Fair guys. Enough. That's very, very Fair true. Fair enough. All right, uh, San Francisco on Saturday. Gonzaga Thursday, San Francisco Saturday. Uh, the Dons are a 14-win team. They're really good. Uh, you know, they're t- it's, it's so fun. Like You think about it. We're in league, and we're playing back-to-back-to-back to
2: back to back top 30, top 40 ranked teams in a country. Right? This is like a, you know, everyone's so excited about the Big 12. Well, welcome to what the Big 12 is going to feel like, guys. We're playing number 33, and then we're playing number 2 or 3, and then we're playing number 30, right? And so it's pretty awesome, and uh, this is a great San Francisco team. They're doing a great job. They're a veteran, veteran team. I don't know if they're the oldest team in the country, but they might be close, and um, they've been together for a long time. They have a backcourt that's uh, really, really terrific that's been together for at least three or four years. And so it's, it's an incredible road trip, man. It's going to really test us. This, is, this will be our biggest kind of back-to-back-to-back test we will have all season long.
0: USF opened up uh, a nice long undefeated streak to start the year. Coming into tonight, by the way, or coming into today, there were two last undefeated teams. USC lost. Stanford today and Baylor's just lost tonight as well. There are no more undefeated teams in college (laughs) basketball.
2: It's hard. It's hard. You know, you think about USC, you know, Stanford is a a traditionally good program. It's it's struggled a little bit the last few years. And USC is, I don't know, their their top 10 team, top 12 team. And uh, it's just hard to win. It's always hard to win. And And that's what you learn with experience as you start to respect this game so much you understand every single game you play is going to be hard to win.
0: Big 12 basketball, Texas Tech 65, Baylor 62 tonight. As we go to break, here is this week's trivia question presented by Cascade Collision Repair. Serious about perfection. Who was BYU's scoring leader in its first season as a WCC member in 2011-12? The answer after this. Trivia, Cascade Collision Repair serious about perfection. Mark Pope's first year on the staff was 2011-12, and your leading scorer that year, coach, was? It was Noah Hartzog, <laughs> of course it was. Noah, I, did I say that
2: live? Did I say live? I thought it was either Tyler or... That was just it? for
0: the fans here. In the. Oh, well, I just yeah. said it live now. <laughs> Noah, I am so sorry. <laughs> Of course, it was no hard. Of course, it was no hard suck. All right, uh, as we leave, we got 40 seconds left. Uh, we're going to do a quick little what happened here at the very end. So this was Saturday night's basketball game, and oh look, we actually had a live version of Where's Waldo building, <laughs> uh, on the. Uh, so Seneca, the question for you is, do you are you down with Where's Waldo? Is that too old or too young for you? or Whatever it is. Does that make it, does it? Do you have any recollection of Where's Waldo? I have recollection of it. Okay. Me and my
7: cousin used to do puzzles like on a Saturday. Go. Okay,
0: good. <laughs> At least it means something to you. So that's what we did. We found that guy on Saturday night. Good that's stuff. That's crazy. Hey, thank you for coming in tonight, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Have man. a great game. Great games this weekend, Coach. We'll see you there. Thank you. Let's go. All so
7: right.